name is not Dr. Google. I'm Dr. V. I want you to be healthy and happy, so we're going to talk about all the things I can't fit into a 15-minute appointment. Let's get started. Step into my office. Hey, welcome to another visit with Office Visits with Dr. V. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining in. I always appreciate listeners tapping into the information that we have here at Office Visits with Dr. V. And the whole purpose of why I wanted to create the podcast was to provide some reliable information, not just what you find on Google, Facebook, Instagram, WebMD. So I'm particularly excited today. This is an episode about COVID. And we know there's been a lot of misinformation about COVID. And I I want to say I, I love it when the physicians take the space and share the science behind uh, why we have certain recommendations for what we're dealing with in this this awesome, grueling pandemic. And so to talk about it, I could not think of anyone better than Dr. Kimberly Shelton. Dr. Kimberly Shelton is a physician here in Greensboro, North Carolina, and her specialty is internal medicine and functional medicine. And this is the biggest plug. She is my personal doctor. Yes. (laughs) Finger snaps for that. She is my personal doctor. So welcome, Dr. Shelton. Hey, Dr. V. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. for. Again, I couldn't think of anyone else better to speak to my listeners about COVID. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm quite honored. Yes. This is great. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, first of all, we'll get started with, you know, who is Kimberly Shelton? Just, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are, your interests, before we get into the medicine and the science. Kimberly Shelton is a mountain girl. (laughs) I hail from the Blue Reach Mountains of Winjana, Virginia, which is about two and a half, three hours down 29 north, headed the scenic route to D.C. My parents are both teachers, were both teachers, rather, and met in Nelson County, where they married and had my brother and I. And and my mom is from here, Greensboro. So we spent a lot of time here growing up with vacations and family, family, well, family vacations and holidays and things Mm -hmm. of that nature. So Mm -hmm. this has always been like a second home to me. So after finishing uh, medical school at Chapel Hill, I, I did my residency at Moses Cone. I was chief resident, and after that, mm-hmm. for internal medicine, and after mm-hmm. that, I um, established my own practice with another resident at the time, and my practice grew from there, and, you know, so this, then we're here, <laughs> and that's, Start, that's, that's the now we that's here. <laughs> so just for you guys who are not in medicine, chief resident is an honor, so of all of the residents, she's like the president of the residents, like she, she was in charge, so that's a huge honor that says a lot about you. So you were trained here in residency uh, at Moses Cone. Yes. In internal medicine. When exactly, well, let me start by saying, what is functional medicine and why did you decide to make the transition to that? Well, functional medicine is just basically just a way of thinking, Mm -hmm. a way of approach with looking at a person and and they come into you and, you know, they have a, a particular condition or disease or whatnot and not looking just at the diagnosis of a disease or condition based on a set of symptoms. 
but looking beyond that to the cause mm-hmm. and looking at trends in history, their personal history and 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 trying to put the whole story together. So looking at the at a, a, a patient from more of a holistic perspective and looking at, again, just the systems and mechanisms behind the progression of certain symptoms rather than just in in game, which is the symptom and the condition itself. Gotcha. And why did you, why were you interested in functional medicine? Because I didn't see even early on in my career where just giving people medications was the answer to everything we do in medicine or, mm-hmm. or a, a procedure or a surgery. Of course, you know, those things aren't, are needed and necessary, but they usually aren't the only only way in which we can reach this this state of of health and and actually healing and wellness Mm -hmm. so i wanted to delve in deeper and help people understand the power they have to heal and also help 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 them understand the mechanisms that they went through or had gone through that that took them to that place where they were sick or had a condition or Mm -hmm. um, needed medications Many times we can get patients off of medications and, and, and yeah. naturally, once they understand what are the contributing factors are to any condition. Right, right. And, and to my listeners, you all know I'm interested in how we can educate and empower patients to change their lifestyle to help with some of those root causes that you're uh, addressing. And I will say you do an excellent job of education and under, helping us understand you know, where we are, and you do a very thorough job of that. So thank you on that in You're that welcome. regard. COVID is very complicated, and there's been a lot of controversy about it. And, you know, there's been a lot of misinformation. Child, tell me about it. Child, yes. Child, yes. Yes, but I will remember, <laughs> I remember when it first hit, and I was still continuing to work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I called you or if you called me. I think you, your office reached out. I don't know. All I know is that you had a regimen that you wanted your patients to be on to help them during this pandemic. At the very, very beginning, before we had a vaccine, before we had any recommendations, you were on it. So talk a little bit about, you know, those early days back in February, March of 2020. And what kinds of things were going through your mind on the, you know, functional medicine side that you were, were felt so strongly about empowering your patients about? Well, it was very devastating at the time to see something just come out of seemingly out of nowhere mm-hmm. and just devastate people. You, you, we were hearing stories of people getting this disease that... <laughs> That it's infection that had no cure and basically there was nothing to do for it because we didn't have any medication. So people were ending up in the ER and in the ICU on ventilators and deaths were occurring at alarming rates and we couldn't figure out, well, you know, who's dying and why they're dying. Mm-hmm. So this was a perfect chance. Oh, well, I wouldn't say chance, but this was a perfect, I guess, platform for a functional medicine, for, for a functional medicine perspective, not yeah. to just look at, yeah. okay, this thing, this infection is here, but okay, what's the underlying mechanisms or how is this I, infection similar? You know, what is causing it? How is it similar to things that we know about? You know, what are, 
even what are some medications that we know about that can be repurposed to help with this particular infection while we are waiting for vaccines and while we're waiting for therapeutics and things of that nature. Right. So basically, you know, COVID is a coronavirus and we know something about coronavirus. We know that the common cold is a coronavirus. Yeah. And we also know that the first SARS that came out was a coronavirus. Right. So you have the common cold, which everybody knows about. And, you know, we 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 know how to treat it. We know that there's not really any medications for it because basically people get the common cold and they recover. So there's never really been uh, a reason to say, hey, get a medication for the common cold. However, SARS, the first SARS (laughs) infection that we thankfully didn't know much about seemed to be extremely aggressive and if you got it, it seemed like you just pretty much fell out dead, you know, within days or yeah. whatnot. You yeah. didn't really have any any chance to um recover from or or your immune system have a chance to respond in in a positive way to kind of kind of get rid of that. So anyway, we didn't know too much about that SARS, thankfully. So it seemed like in my mind, this particular COVID was somewhere between really bad and mm. like the first stars and 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 okay or some like right and cold right and so just common sense would say okay well let's just help patients help them know how to enhance their immune systems right you know because right. that's where that's where disease is is pretty much healed or right or fought is is the battleground is your immune system yes ma'am and so ma'am. basically. And, and a lot of people have poor, poor immune systems and don't even know it. But some people know because of, you know, they have had cancer or, or on cancer medications or autoimmune issues and on medications that they know decrease their immune response. But other things such as diabetes and obesity, we know those right. conditions also lend you a poor immune response or, immune, or weaker immune system. So, and we know the prevalence of those issues mm-hmm. in our community. Mm-hmm. So, and then when it kind of showed the, the as, as time progressed and we saw that people who had those kind of issues basically were the ones that were dying. That were dying. Um, right. Or having a really severe illness where others, you know, appeared to do okay. And then, you know, we've seen a lot of things along the way. But early on, you know, those were basically the things that we could discern within the first, you know, few weeks. Right. And so it kind of makes sense to, to, to help patients understand again to enhance their immune systems. First of all, eating better, you know, getting rid of mm-hmm. a lot of processed food, a lot of sugar mm-hmm. in your diet, exercise, you know, all of these things help. These two things, the mainstay of just about it, our whole existence really, right. will help help your immune system, you know, deal with chronic, well, deal with acute issues more readily. Hold, hold on one second. Let's just say that again. You said these two things, which are what? Say that again. Diet and exercise. Diet and exercise. Oh, goodness. You can't get, you can't get around that. You, can't, you cannot. And you people cannot. try to get around it all. You cannot. I mean, you have you to. It doesn't matter. There's all different types of great, great dietary approaches. You know, I don't like to say diet, but, you know, just approach of eating or nutritional approaches. I mean, people have with the paleo and, you know, the keto and there are great elements of, of any approach. But yeah. the top, top yeah. and bottom line is that if you pretty much adhere to a whole foods dietary regimen, which means that you're eating, you know, fresh fruits, vegetables, whole grains, right. you know, drinking plenty of water. And basically it's not so much what, what you are putting into your body, which that's very important. 
or, or putting into your dietary regimen, but also what you're taking out. What you're taking, yeah. So what the thing not. Like, right. So, you know, you can eat a great thing, salads every day. I have some you know, friends and patients, I eat a salad every day all the time, you know, but you're also eating a lot of candy and potato chips <laughs> and like your doctor here, french fries. <laughs> Everybody, doctors are human too. Y'all, she can eat her French fries. And so, but 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 sugar really dampens your immune response. So that's that's one thing. So this sugar. was a, this was a way to to really kind of focus on those things. And of course, exercise can get around exercise as well in terms of enhancing your immune system. So going beyond other lifestyle things, such as getting plenty of sleep or decreasing your stress. Drinking plenty of water, making sure you're not clinically so, and then moving beyond lifestyle modifications to nutritional supplementation. So, I mean, we usually recommend vitamin C and elderberry and right. zinc, and and with coronavirus, some of the studies I read early on in February and March 2020 from studies that were done in in China and Italy. There seemed to be a connection to low vitamin D and increased risk of getting COVID and the severity as well. So right, right. making sure everybody had their vitamin D on board. Yep. You know, there yep. were other supplements like N-acetylcysteine, which helps with, is a powerful antioxidant and, and also um, enhances the immune system. And, you know, I think a bio, bio excuse me, a botanical throat spray. <laughs> yes, that stuff tasted really uh, interesting. I say that much. Yeah, yeah, but but the study showed also that okay, so who really was dying from COVID were the people where, or had really bad or severe illness with COVID were um, people where the 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 virus had really got embedded into their respiratory system, their, a lower respiratory system. So right. if you could kind of keep it in the upper respiratory, right, the right. throat and right. above, and and kind of kind of arrested in, in the oropharyngeal area so it wouldn't go down to the bronchus and to the lungs, then right. you, know, you had a good chance of your immune system fighting it. And so that was the concept behind the biobotanical bio, bio throat spray to help arrest the virus in the, in the throat before it, it, or it went down into the into lower, the lower yeah, throat. Floor, right. So uh, she's saying that... Th- the throat spray kept it up where your your sinuses and the back of your throat is and didn't get down into the chest and the lung. Right. Is Listerine now, that's kind of the same rationale? Yeah. Actually, there's some studies that are out that show just just ordinary everyday things. And that was that's the thing about COVID, ordinary everyday things that you can do that can help decrease your risk. And Listerine scope, um, they have antiviral activity. I mean, mm. salt water gargles. Yes. You know. Lord. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> has some has some um antiviral activity. So the thing is that none of these things we can say, hey, there's been like these big studies, you know, what we as doctors look at it called randomized controlled trials where there are thousands of people right. and you know, right. had a randomized to placebo and the treatment, blah, blah, blah. To say, you know, as a science pay. This it has been scientifically proven, therefore medically pr- proven to work this way. Right. This has been common sense through decades, centuries of you know what your grandmama did when you right. when you got a cold and right. then you like put put cooked onions on your chest 
And then, you know, right. and then you inhaling that and understand, now understand, hey, onions are filled with persistent. Yeah. And persistent is a, is a, is a substance that really helps with um, decreasing mucus um, production and, and helps with colds. And who knew? My mom, my grandmama knew that. Right. <laughs> right. I was like, exactly. okay. Well, thank you, grandma. Exactly. You know? Thank you, grandmama. Yeah. And we, I know my mom, gosh, we always had to do a, 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 gargle with hot salt water mm -hmm. I used to hate that but anytime you had a sore throat that was one of the first mm -hmm. things that she would she would mm -hmm. recommend so so that's 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 awesome i love how you start with the lifestyle medicine or the lifestyle modifications because those are things that everybody has control over you don't have to have a copay to exercise exactly. so that's really really important i also love how you know the evidence and you breathe and and are very very interested in the science behind this I actually, you gave me some information about how this COVID virus works. And initially, you know, before we were shut down, somebody's like, is it really that bad? I said, you know, I think it's just like a bad flu. Like, it's probably like a real, real bad flu. And it's not, it's not a bad flu. It's very, very serious. Explain to the listeners what makes COVID so, so deadly. Once COVID gets into your system and does its little dirty work, it, it can wreck every system in the body. Every system. Every system. Yep. And so the nervous system, your cardiovascular system, everything, renal failure, of course, respiratory. So it's not just right. something that gets into your lungs. It, it causes, it can cause autoimmune issues, of course, clotting issues. And it's, it can, of course, it can, very devastating to the mm -hmm. point where you, mm -hmm. you can die from it. But even if you survive from it, you can have long-term issues. And we call mm -hmm. those symptoms now long-hauler symptoms um, from COVID right. infection. Right. And that can include a whole range of things from shortness of breath to chronic fatigue to decreased cognition or brain fog or right. get from this and that sort right. of thing. And skin issues. And it's just, just, just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. And I even, I take care of some nurses that worked in the COVID unit. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how every, mo a lot of patients were getting heart attacks and mm -hmm. um, deep venous thrombosis or DVTs mm -hmm. because of the clotting mm -hmm. issues with COVID. I know of a medical professional that is now disabled because they can't, met, they can't mentally, their memory's gone. So th this is, this is an ugly, ugly virus. Mm -hmm. What are your recommendations for vaccination? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, <laughs> the vaccinations, this is, this is a, new, uh, a new infection. Mm -hmm. And so just like mm -hmm. when smallpox came <laughs> and, you know, and we got a vaccination, to that, we, don't, we don't hear about smallpox because we developed herd immunity through vaccinations. So we don't hear about that. Right. Um, right. Other things, measles, and all the things that we get vaccinations right. to now, you right. know. So, yes, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> that yes, a you do no need right. Yeah. So, so, what do you say to those folks who have, you know, reservations, and you know, it might the vaccine might harm us more. You know, what are what are your thoughts about that? Well, actually, and <laughs> I understand their thoughts about it. I understand their thoughts about it because. And I respect their thoughts about it right. because at right. the end of the day, this is, uh, again, a new virus that has come into our human community. And so this is a new vaccine, unlike 
you know, the MMR and the TDAP and, right. the and the, right. all of those, which, you know, have been around for decades and we understand how they work. We understand the long-term, the short-term and the long-term side effects. We don't really, there's not really any information out there about long-term side effects and how could there be? Right. So, right. And so yes, I, I, I understand from a scientific standpoint, you know, how vaccines work and how, how they help in, in a pandemic to help us get rid of this virus or form a human barrier against this virus. But at the same time, I do understand those who have their skepticism about it, especially in terms of long-term issues that, you know, we may not know at this time. Right. Um, Right. But, you know, I think, I I mean, as, as I tell people at this point is that, you know, COVID is here and it's, you're most likely going to get it. So do you want to get COVID unvaccinated or vaccinated? The, mm-hmm. the, the evidence right now shows that, yes, you can get COVID while vaccinated at this point with the Delta variant and maybe with some other variants that, that may develop over the course of time. However, you more than likely are going to uh, d- do okay with it. In other words, you're going to survive it. Right. Uh, without right. having to go to the hospital and right. things of that nature. However, the people who are now hospitalized in the ICU and are dying are overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly. And we're talking like 90, 95 percent. Exactly. Yeah. So vaccine, absolutely. I always say, you know, the risk of you getting COVID is bad. The risk of you dying from the actual vaccine, is that worse than that risk? And usually not. It's, it's a risk versus benefit. Right. So for those who, and, and now we're going to kind of step into, dip our toe into some controversial waters. For those who choose not to get vaccinated, there are regimens that are popping up. We've heard about folks trying to buy um, Plaquenil or I don't think they knew what flapping. They don't know what flapping. I don't know. They don't know what flapping. It's always harder for me to say hydroxychloroquine, right? Um, but that we've recently heard about ivermectin, and I, I know people are looking for ways other than the vaccine to protect themselves, other than boosting their immune system, with what what we talked about earlier. Uh, I know there are some reputable websites of physicians um, who are really kind of looking at this and developing protocols. What are your thoughts about some of these new medications that we're hearing about? Well, first of all, as, you know, trained doctor here, here in the States. Trained. Yes. You know. Certified. (laughs) Got experience. Chief resident. (laughs) Functional medicine physician. Go ahead. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, you... We we are also scientists, and so we have yeah. to follow data. We have to yeah. follow the evidence and things of that nature. Okay, so the so what do we know? Okay, so uh, earlier on we saw that remdesivir was helpful, and you can look at those studies and determine whether or not that really is as helpful as we hoped it would right. be. And, if you even talk to some of the doctors who work with remdesivir, you know, they're underwhelmed, <laughs> you know, right. with, you know, really how, how well it works. So, and, and so let me separate this, you know, people were in the hospital. So, so we're looking right. at remdesivir as an approved therapy. We're also looking at dexamethasone as an approved therapy for 
for COVID while hospitalized. So as far as I know, those are the only two approved therapies. Everything else is pretty much supportive. Right. You know, there are other things like the, the IL-6 inhibitors or whatnot that help with the cytokine storm and that sort of thing. But in terms of actually that have been, I guess, FDA or whatever governing body would like to put their stamp on. Okay, those are things. Now, the other approach is the monoclonal antibody infusion, which has been incredible. And for people who are not vaccinated, my first recommendation would be if they were to get COVID and they they meet the eligibility requirements, they absolutely should consider Mm -hmm. um, getting the monoclonal antibody infusion, Mm -hmm. which does reduce hospitalization by about 80%. So, right. So, well, but in order to meet criteria, you have to be sick enough to be inpatient or. Uh, no, you can ask. That's not, and I'm sorry, that's an outpatient. It used okay. to be inpatient only, but now for the past few months um, or so, it's probably been more than that. You can actually get the antibody infusion as an outpatient. And so that does cut down on hospitalizations by about 80%. Okay. I actually was on call last night and there was a patient who mm-hmm. surprisingly just happened to be tested because she was admitted to the hospital and had it. And mm-hmm. she met criteria for it and she got one dose and then the second dose. And she's like, I want to talk to my doctor about this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, girl, if you don't taste, mm-hmm. that was monoclonal antibodies mm-hmm. with her fever of a person too. So, you know. What I know about antibodies, I know that is a part of your immune system, but but talk to us why how monoclonal antibodies work, you know, on a basic level. And right. actually, you know, basically, why it's so important. Basically, it's interesting because monoclonal antibodies work similar to how the vaccines work. Mm-hmm. And vaccines, what vaccines do is, is it helps your body prime, prime against the offender or, or the virus in this right. case by helping your body remember that you've seen this 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 infection or this this alien coming into your system. Right. And so right. it when it sees it, when you see it again, that memory is already there in your immune system to neutralize or, and to fight the fight the virus. Basically what the monoclonal antibodies is manufactured antibodies to do the same thing. It's just coming from outside of your immune system. Right. You know, it, it just neutralizes the, the, the viral replication. And, you know, I, I this is something I learned about in uh, medical school that I always thought was fascinating, that your body does this all the time. Like anything that's foreign, it's ready to attack. Right. And a lot of things you wouldn't even know. I mean, no, does it, exactly. Does it automatically. And, right. Right. You know, us, and most of the times unknowingly. Right. And so because, and I I just want to say this to the listeners, because COVID is such a deadly virus, especially if you're not in good health, Mm -hmm. you need some help with it. Right. You need some help with it. And I'm I'm really thankful that we do have these uh, treatments and these options, the vaccine to help us. What what final things do you want to say about, about COVID or to our listeners about it? Well, first of all, it's very interesting. I I, I kind of joke a little bit with COVID. Like, you know, COVID will give you a couple of days. It will give you about five to seven days to kind of hang out, figure, mm-hmm. figure out that it it's there. Okay. And so basically, if you treat COVID or treat your respiratory symptoms or allergies or whatnot, don't 
don't um, assume that if you have allergies, that when you get allergies in this environment, that is just your allergies. You know, mm-hmm. you have to mm-hmm. you have to assume it's COVID until proven, proven otherwise. otherwise. So right. that means as soon as you start having that little runny nose or little headache or, you know, have a fever, especially, then, you know, start thinking about, it. you know, could this be COVID, you know? Right. And, right. and get tested and see earlier the treatment, the better your outcome, bar none. And right. that's, I think right. that was basically the issue in, in last year, you know, because we didn't know. So people, you know, had their usual colds and had their allergies and, well, this is my regular thing and ended up not being their regular thing. Right, right. You know, so I'm right. um, not assuming that that it is something that you've been familiar with and understand that, hey, you just need to be on it right away. Right away. And I will say that if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V, I do have posted a Dr. Shelton sign off approve of a of a regimen of, of supplements. So I know that you do offer supplements to your patients and you've actually, I mean, they're vetted. It's not like they're like nobody knows what's in them. Right. Exactly. They've got a label on them. Correct. Tell us about, you know, why that's important about knowing where your supplements come from. Yeah, because supplements are not FDA approved. Right. I mean, they're not they're not overseen by a a stringent a stringent regulatory process where you know that hey, this this is not it doesn't have any impure or or impure or or dangerous substances in calling it something healthy. Right. So right. FDA doesn't oversee that. So you want to get your supplements from a reputable source where they have internally their company actually does those things that, that the FDA would require them to do. Right. But in the fact that they don't, FDA doesn't require them to do those regu- regulatory um, processes, but they do it because they know it's the right thing to do to make sure that they have the, the best type of supplement available and that what you're getting is something that's going to actually help you and not hurt you. Okay. So, yes, I will provide Dr. Shelton's uh, website where you can reach out to her for the supplements that have been vetted. Uh, Lastly, you know, ivermectin has been something that has been, you know, big in the, the media. And we're finding that people are taking, you know, forced ivermectin, which are too large of a dose for humans. And I know that, you know, ivermectin is a medication that is very old that we have used for humans for years. So can you speak to to ivermectin and kind of how that came into play in some of these uh, treatments for COVID? Okay. Sure. Well, first of all, let me say that ivermectin has not been approved or recommended by the FDA. Yes, ma'am. And the AMA, yes, ma'am, and the WHO mm-hmm. for the treatment or prevention of COVID. The yeah. NIH neither recommends for or against it. Okay, so that's interesting. So where I am with ivermectin is, of course, you know, I keep in mind what the FDA and the AMA and all of all of those governing bodies say. Yeah. However, um. Last year in, again, March, April, May of 2020, you know, when I was looking at, you know, what other doctors around the world were doing, because this is a, this is a global issue. It's not mm-hmm. just the United States issue. 
And ivermectin, among some other things, you know, were, was, was used and, and it, it appeared to, to help. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. again, the way we as doctors here in America is that we actually uh, look at evidence and our evidence come, comes from what we call randomized control trials, which are huge, huge trials of that cost millions of dollars with mm-hmm. thousands of people. So you can get more of a clear picture of what, how something actually, does it really actually work? You know, and we, right. we randomize that treatment against a placebo where, you know, that, where we don't give that group of people the treatment to see how the treatment versus the non-treatment um, group works. And so that's how we kind of determine that's only one way actually in which at least I was taught, you know, <laughs> at U.S. <laughs> that was only one way in which we could determine the efficacy of a, a of a treatment. That a randomized controlled trial with right. prospective or respective. We had anecdotal evidence and observational studies, and so it was. It is basically a combination of, of all of these things, right. all of these approaches where we picture. can kind of get a better picture. And at the end, of the end of the day, other types of approaches or analytical approaches like the meta-analysis where you, you group a, a number of studies together to get more of a picture of whether or not a treatment is effective or not. And it's interesting to me that in the places around the world where mm-hmm. this kind of approach mm-hmm. has been done that there there seems to have been a a benefit where right. especially when given early again right. early treatment and the whole point is to keep people out of the hospital and to keep people from dying the thing with I rem- and with any medication or any treatment the thing that you want to know is is it safe and is it effective and so with ivermectin, with having 40-some years of experience with the safety profile of that medication, then, you know, yeah, there has been hardly, I can't even say no, 100%, but of the billion doses given or people have gotten for 40-some years, there, there have been hardly any deaths and very few side effects. So the side effect profile, the so safety pro- profile, I think, it's has been good. proven. For the doses for humans. For humans. Not right, for horses. Right. No, exactly. Not that's, that was ridi- that's ridiculous. 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 Yes, ma'am. And so basically for human use, so basically for human use at human doses, it, it appeared that there, there has been some benefit in some of these studies. Then there'll be a lot of doctors and people and scientists who would, who would absolutely disagree. But hey, I would say, well, let's look at the studies. That's what yeah, we do. Right. Know, it can have it right. right. Let's look at it. Right. But let's not just just say just because the FDA and the CDC, mm-hmm. I mean, are these scientists or are these, who are these people? Yeah. Who, you know, yeah. you yeah. know, where, do, where, where does that information and what is, what is the end goal there? I mean, I understand that, hey, we have great things out here. We have, you know, the vaccines, we have the um, monoclonal antibodies and there are therapeutics that are coming, but certainly in a situation where pandemic, you know, it's right. like all hands on all deck. hands on deck. And you want to do what's best for your patient. And we and we are trained. Mm-hmm. We are trained to to do this. Like right. any residency program, you were were trained how to how to look at the literature, 
based on a question that you mm-hmm. have, mm-hmm. analyze it, and then come up with, as you would say, common sense on how to proceed. Right. And just to back up, you, one of the studies you said, prospective, retrospective, all that basically means is they're looking at a group of people, perspective going forward, what happens, retrospective, looking backwards, seeing what happens. So mm-hmm. we're getting into some of the science, but I, I do want you listeners y'all out there to understand this is science. Like we're not just grabbing this out the top of our head. Right. I I just, as I was coming here, I was listening to NPR and they were talking about the misinformation and they said, I I think out of all of the misinformation, they said 69% comes from celebrities. So celebrities aren't talking about randomized, double blind, perspective, retrospective studies. They're just not, Mm -hmm. they're not talking about that. And so that's where, I'm coming from, that's where Dr. Shelton is coming from and basing it on the science. I I just, this is a global pandemic. Right. It's new. Right. It hit us all of a sudden and it's deadly. And I think there's a lot of fear. So thank you so much for coming out to kind of clear some of the questions up. I want to just kind of, before we wrap up, she said at the beginning, you might have a, a a poor immune system and you don't know it. So exercise, sleep. Yep. Drink plenty of water. Drink plenty of water. Eat right. And those issues that, you know, put you at risk for a poor immune system, diabetes, obesity, hypertension, all of the chronic conditions. Please, 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 you know, really take this seriously and understand that you can have an impact on how your immune system responds if or when uh, it is exposed to COVID. So lastly, Dr. Shelton, my doctor, I'm willing to share you all with her. So (laughs) with with the, the last final say, just tell us if patients are interested in getting to know more about you or see if if they can be a patient of yours, what do they need to do? They can call my office. What I do is a meet and greet session with prospective patients to see if um, what I do and what I offer is a, is a fit of what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And if so, then we proceed. We'll proceed. All righty. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I will have Dr. Shelton's contact information, her website in our show notes and on Facebook and Instagram. This has been phenomenal, phenomenal. Dr. Shelton, thank you again. Thank you. This This will not be the last time that you're coming back. I'm nervous already. (laughs) (laughs) You did great. You did great. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. My prayer is that something said on this podcast will get you started on a path to your optimal health and wellness. The information, including opinions and recommendations discussed in this podcast, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of a qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Although I'm a doctor, this does not replace the advice of your licensed physician or healthcare provider. So please, Seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your healthcare regimen. And another thing, just by listening to this podcast doesn't make me your doctor. However, if you want to stay connected, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. 
and go to my website at officevisitswithdrv.com. That's officevisitswithdrv.com. Let's follow up next time. Blessings.